You're listening to the Divine Wisdom from the Kitchen podcast, hosted by Jess Echeverry, wife to a Catholic deacon, mother to five children, and dog mom to English bulldogs Chulo and Duke, as well as a survivor, speaker, woman and family advocate, and author. A convert to the faith, Jess goes beyond the class curriculum or church document and invites you to a conversation about our daily faith walk, our relationship with Christ and the church, and everything else in between. It's a heart-to-heart that leaves you with a good feeling in your soul. And now, without further ado, here's Jess. Are you good? I've been good since about you started going, I'm going to meet you up, whatever you were saying. <laughs> you don't know that song? Never heard it until what? until last night at the, uh, <sighs> in your people. bow. White people. Hey. <laughs> it's, not, it's not color, it's culture. <laughs> yeah. And that is true. It is. It is. Well, who sings that song? Um... Gosh, I don't even know. I've been terrible at names of bands all throughout my whole life. I just know songs I don't know. Like That was a band or was I just like a singer? Oh, here we go. Welcome to my marriage. That's you know. That's a that's legitimate a great, question. That's a great segue. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot this is your show, not yeah. mine. Yeah, hello. See, I'm always in the command yeah. and control seat. That's the problem. Yeah, I should have switched seats with you. Oh, yeah. You want to do that? Too late now. It's too late. It doesn't matter because it's a round table. I just, I'm delusional enough to think that a round (laughs) table can have a head and I'm in it. That says everything you need to know about me right there psychologically. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So. Thank you for having me on your show. You're welcome. You are my first ever guest on Divine Wisdom from the Kitchen. So welcome. Well, you were my first ever wife on my show. So that's, (laughs) that's about the same thing. Just to, just to give people some context. Um, it's lovely to be in the kitchen with you. Thank you. Even, even though we're technically in your podcast studio. Virtual kitchen. Yeah. Virtual Happy anniversary, kitchen. too. Thank you. Gosh. See? Um, it's our anniversary. It is. And I thought it would be, I was prompted by the Holy Spirit actually last I heard of him. night. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, I was prompted last night to do this. Really? Yeah. Well, I just found out about it four minutes ago. So <laughs> exactly. You and the Holy Spirit will be slightly more prepared. <laughs> Welcome. And so what we're doing is we were having coffee time. People who know us know that um, one of the secrets of the success of our marriage, I'll put it that way, um, is the fact that every morning when we wake up, if we're in the same town, because there's been lots of travel throughout the marriage as well. Um, We take the time to actually start our day talking and praying and having coffee together and just starting our day in in each other's company. Yep. Yeah. I've credited that with saving my marriage and saving my life. That's the way that I always describe it. Wow. That's how serious I am about coffee time. Nice. And people know how serious coffee time is. Like our kids knew growing up. They did. Right. They yep. would they would try and come in and sit on the bed and There was probably a lot of secret eye rolls in the hall. I was like, Oh, it's coffee time. Coffee time. All I want is just some waffles, but it's <laughs> coffee time. Everything waits until coffee time is over. So true. It is. And that's usually I don't know, half hour in when my back starts to hurt from sitting up. <laughs> and then we have to stand up and then it's oh, it's over. <laughs> Two cups of coffee, one lower back pain, over. <laughs> and the older that I've gotten, the more the back pain. But now actually we've changed up where we have coffee time, so that helps. Yeah, we go outside now. I mean, we live in beautiful Southern California, so. May as well enjoy it. Yeah. We'll be the ones. We'll be the ones what? To enjoy it. That's a joke. That's okay. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Next guest. Uh, no, but I was I was prompted by the Holy Spirit last night, and it was basically grab your husband, don't tell him what you're doing, go into the podcast studio. Sounds and, promising. <laughs> and have him as your first guest ever on your podcast. And so I was like, oh, wow, Holy Spirit, that's a great idea because – one of the things that I've enjoyed so much being married to is just our random coffee time conversations. I mean, we literally like solve the world's problems over coffee time. It, it, it has in a weird way, though, been a bit of a school for me. 
It really has. Yeah. And I mean, both the both the school, I guess, or maybe an ac- maybe, yeah, no, it's school. School's the right way to say it. I was going to say maybe academic, but it's not academic. It's been a school to me in the sense that I've been both a student, but I've also been able to impart things in coffee time. And in that those moments that we have together, right. I've learned so much, you know, through hearing your experiences, your background, your view of the way that you see things, right? right. It's also been some portion of, you know, a, 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 a place where you unload and vent and, un, you know, just unburden yourself with yeah. the different things that you have going on in your life. And it's been a place to get advice and encouragement. And so it's been all of these things in this little block of 30 minute time that we've had for 20 plus, well, 20 years today. That's right. Right. So today is our 20th anniversary of our sacrament of marriage of our in, the, in the Catholic marriage. Church. We were married the year prior at mm-hmm. the Beverly Hills Courthouse. Correct. Not a lot of people know that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of people know that. I don't yeah. even think our family at the time even knew that. Let's talk about that story. Okay. I, you're going to have to help me remember it. I do remember <laughs> 90210, which was a big deal for you that we got married in that zip code. Like, cause of oh, that. 90210 because of the show. Because of the like, show, and we yeah. just moved out to LA, and we're like, wouldn't that be cool? 90210. Yeah, yeah we'd have that on like our marriage certificate. Yeah, yeah I remember so going, and it was a you know wedding in front of a, or in front of a judge. And mm-hmm. from that point on, um, it was interesting because now as I think back, I, I realized we were legally married at that moment, but I don't know that I consciously even felt married until you know we had our sacramental. Um, ceremony and actually were married right in the legitimate ontological sense that I would later come to understand right and that's when I felt like oh you know what I mean one was sort of now a we're formality. really married yeah that's how I felt yeah huh it's funny because for me the impact of actually getting married at the court at the courthouse like that to me registered more than the actual church wedding interesting yeah the the church wedding for me was just me just following you wherever you were going yeah because i don't think you had an understanding as much of what what it entailed and what it was you were just yeah. you thought it was yeah in a way the, the church wedding was a formality of being married to me yep and for me it was a formality the 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 court wedding the court because it, it was a legal proceeding or even an administrative proceeding at that point why, yeah. why did we get married bef- in the in the courthouse before? It's not a that's you're asking your wife on your 20th wedding anniversary why I, we got married. I told you that you're going to need to help me with stuff. And this everyone who knows me knows I also leave out some of the important details. So, I, well, it's, I, a, you know, funny story. Um, it, funny story is, is that we were raising um, our six year old, five year old daughter. Vanessa at the time at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we moved from Florida to California. It was early years when we first got out here. Um, We got settled. And then, (coughs) you know, my dad and his wife, who she was with, they sent her out to us now that we were settled. But we weren't married. We've been dating for years. We've been dating for five years before we got married. Yeah. And we weren't married. And um it was one of those things where you were like, you were adamant about two things, right? One was married in the Catholic Church to our kids get a Catholic education, you know? And it, it, listen, to me, it would have been, look, we need to dress like a clown and, you know, jump out of an airplane on this. And I'd have been like, okay. Like, it, just, it didn't matter what you said. I was mm. just going to do it. You, did you view it as like me saying, this is the kind of food I want to have at the reception? Was it like equivalent to that where it was like... You know what? I didn't even think that deep into it. No, but what I'm saying, was it at the same level of importance as that? In other words, somebody says, we should have salmon. and, And I would be like, okay. Or was it, I know it's important. I just don't yet connect with it. Do you see them? Do you see the difference there? Yeah, no, it's the salmon. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 yeah. It was, it didn't, I, I had no idea the level of importance at the time. So it was like, I'm going to wear, I'm going to wear these kind of socks and you'd be like, okay. Okay, great. Do mm. I have to wear them? Fine. Give me a pair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely how it was for me. But then she started Catholic school, which was one of your two things that had to happen. Um, and in Catholic school, she came home one day in kindergarten and said, she started talking about how one of her friends in school 
her the her friend's parents weren't married. You were putting her to bed one night. Oh yeah, I remember this. See, it's coming back yes. to me. Yes, and she was like, "Oh, daddy, I'm so glad you and mommy are married." Yikes! <laughs> and the funny thing was, we weren't. Yeah, that's when. I <laughs> so turning back to page six. Uh, <laughs> A little red Cliff- riding hood. Uh, no, it was Clifford and the big, oh, red, that's dog. Right. Clifford and the big red dog. Or it was just never ending story, which was constantly on repeat with Or with it was her Vanessa. saying, I don't need you to read to me. Because like I've three. already I've already read the book. <laughs> right. I had a conversation with the author and I, we broke down the synthesis of this particular passage. Yeah. 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 That's, that's true. That that's was our, a yeah, that was a trigger. That was a trigger. That would you came upstairs. Mm. We lived in a tri level, so that she was on the first floor. Like the center floor was our kitchen, living room, dining room, and then the top floor was our bedroom. And you came in onto the second level, and I was sitting on the couch, and that's when you, um, you were like, "We got to get married." (laughs) And I was like, "Wait, what? Oh, is this my beautiful moment?" Full of romance and wonder. (laughs) No, but you know what is beautiful about that moment? And I've thought about this so many times is what was in your heart when you came up those stairs was I just was I just lied to somebody that I love so much. You know, like I, I had to tell her a lie. I need to make this right. That's what was in your heart. And. You know, we were already years into our relationship and, and, you know, and and close, you know. So it was like, I think in the bottom of like my soul or in the back of my mind, I knew that we would eventually get married. It just it just wasn't something that especially because of my own background. Yeah, that was definitely the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know, as I think back on those days, it reminds me of a conversation we just recently had in relation to something else. But is that I didn't know what things look like with you. In other words, what things should look like with you. Because knowing you and being with you and being together with you, um, like basically violated all of the parameters. (laughs) It did. All of the kind of... Warning. Warning. No, it violated all of the parameters of the things that I was brought up to understand flowed from a natural relationship in the sense that, you know, I was supposed to meet, uh, you know, ex young lady at some point, preferably from a Hispanic background, preferably Mm -hmm. a Colombian one. Yes. Um, Yes. So X out on both of those. And then, (laughs) you know, this person was pristine and never had a boyfriend before. Right. X out on both of those. Right. Certainly could never have had a child like it it, it violated all these things so as we began having our our relationship and living at even though we did it very imperfectly from a christian standpoint at the beginning um but nevertheless i didn't know the rules i didn't i didn't have like oh here's what happens next in this situation yeah so you yeah because the situation was so foreign to what you knew and what was expected of you right so then when you're in putting your daughter and you're even that is like wait is this my daughter like it was all these things right and putting her to bed and having her say that little comment i can imagine how that would have hit me because on one level it would have just been instructive it would have been like (laughs) oh yeah that's right we are so like it it, kind of clicks you back in because you've been on this track where you don't know what's next yeah and then it kind of reminds us like oh this is what's next because that's what normal looks like. yeah and of course from the mouth of a child from the mouth of babes yeah. yeah, wisdom often comes, or something like that. I'll find the scripture quote. But that's how we ended up at the Beverly Hills Courthouse. Okay. Yeah. But but why there, Why not just plan the church wedding from that point? Or was that your idea or my idea? Gosh, I don't remember. I yeah. d- no, I'm pretty sure it was yours. I'm pretty sure it was yours. You, you set it all up. You picked me up from work. We did it on my lunch break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I worked in Beverly Hills at the time. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. No, that's not it. That's the Psalms, uh, which is the thing that I was thinking about. Well, maybe it's oh. from the Psalms, no? Well, you know, like many things, it's repeated all throughout Scripture. Right. Um, why do I keep getting King's James stuff? They said to Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, he answered. Haven't you ever heard from the mouth of babies and infants you've arranged praise for yourself? So Jesus quoting the psalm 
Got is it. generally the the phrase, and that's Matthew. That's where it comes from. Matthew twenty one sixteen. So there you go. Wow. From the mouth of babes. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've definitely heard that expression before. So, um, yeah, so we did. We had the Beverly Hills courthouse mm-hmm. legal ceremony, which to me, in my eyes, was it. Like that was it. We were married. The legal uh, from that point yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, the way I looked at the church wedding was, <coughs> I get to have my. Cake and my eat it dress too? and my reception and my party and ooh cake and eat it too. Does it come from that expression? There's another expression it might come from wedding backgrounds. Cake have your cake and eat it too. And eat it too. Well, why wouldn't you eat your cake? Maybe they're made really beautiful because they're supposed to just be ornaments. But like you, you see, what I'm saying like yeah. that idea of like oh my perfect cake and I get to eat it because you're, it's you're normal. Such a curious creature. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Sorry, did I mess with your flow? It no, is. No, no. Mm-hmm. You don't ever mess with my flow. Okay. No. Well, I take that back. Yeah, no, I do do that. Yeah, you definitely do mess with my flow a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. So, 20th anniversary mm-hmm. of our church wedding. Yes. Which is actually officially called a convalidation. Correct. In, in the Catholic Church and you being a deacon. Um, mm-hmm presentation of the lord itself is yes that's what i was thinking about yeah the presentation of the lord which is you know february 2nd a lot of more you know maybe more traditionally minded catholics consider uh february 2nd the end of christmas believe it or not it's like one of those other the end of christmas tide like you know generally it used to be before the second vatican council that the christmas season would extend longer now it's about 20 or so days right but before that it went you know basically from christmas day through to february um, 2nd to february 2nd which is today which is today so in a way this is really the beginning you know from an old liturgical calendar standpoint of ordinary time yeah but yeah but it's also candle moss which is the blessing of the candles right the blessing of the candles from Uh where from you know you bring candles in right because they're supposed to like light you're supposed to have candles at home a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, no, that's true. When I when I first became a Catholic by teaching kindergarten aged kids about what being Catholic was, even when I wasn't a Catholic, um, and I started learning all those little things, that's when I learned that February second was Candlemas, and it oh it's like Christmas, right? I mean, yeah. that's what it means. It's right? the candle mass, right? The candle and it's mass. It's the mass where you bring your candles from home, and I'm pretty sure it originated from when we didn't have electricity yet. Yeah, and so that you're, makes total you're, sense. You're lighting candles to literally light your home, literally live by, right? Yeah, and so those candles should be blessed. It should be blessed light, yeah. like your home should be blessed. And if you're going to light your home, it should mm-hmm. be from blessed candles. And then at some point, the other S fell off of just like with Christmas, right? Christ mass. And then right. at some point Christmas, candle mass, and then at some point candle mass. Right. Got it. Yeah. See? See mm-hmm. how we did that? Yeah. See? See? That's but I, but I've do. heard this story before. I just forgot. Yeah. But yeah. So candle mm-hmm. mass. But the actual liturgical day for February 2nd is the presentation of the Lord. Mm. Um, Which and, is when Jesus got presented to the, in the temple and, and you had the scene with Simeon and yep. with Anna and all that stuff. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. But not a lot of people know that scripture. Yeah, we well, I think what's interesting about that um well there's so many things that are interesting about it that you know Jesus first of all it kind of reminds me in a way of Jesus's baptism in the Jordan mm-hmm. because when you think really? about well yeah because when you think about it objectively it's like well did Jesus need to be baptized? No. He's being baptized as a way to signify to us the way. In the same you could say the same thing about the presentation. Did he need to be presented to the Lord at the temple? Did the Lord not know him? No, the Lord was in the temple the moment he walked into it. Right. But <laughs> it is also the, oh, um, uh, what is it with Mary? It's her cleansing. Mm. It's her cleansing as well. Because I remember reading about this and thinking, oh, wow, that's kind of beautiful in relation to me and like my life before you. And then getting married to you on this particular day. And then what happened in my life after we got married, like this type of cleansing, right? So um, look that up on your handy dandy computer. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah. I forgot what the name of it is, but there, so it's like, it's actually a day that has a lot of stuff attached to it. So it's Candlemas, it's Presentation of the Lord, <laughs> but then there's also this, I don't know if Sorry it's- Sorry for coughing. 
the yeah. cleansing of Mary or what is it? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. What am I searching Just for? Just type in February second, Catholic, mm-hmm. maybe. Well, I think maybe what you're referring to, um, yeah, Christian festival on February 2nd commemorating the occasion when the Virgin Mary, in obedience to Jewish law, went to the temple in Jerusalem, both to be purified 40 days after the birth of her son, Jesus. Purified. Yeah, both to be purified and to to present present her son. So 40 days, oh, it's like numerology too, like 40, it's 40s everywhere, 40, 12, 9, sevens they're everywhere now question not Mm. sure if you know this had she not been to the temple before yeah the temple would did she have to wait the 40 days because that would make sense to me because the 40 day period is usually has to do with fasting or going without Mm -hmm. well here's what i understand and it's definitely going to be incomplete the jewish experience of worship was one that the temple didn't play a kind of weekly role in necessarily. First of all, not every Jew lived in Jerusalem near right. the temples. The, okay. the Jewish diaspora was such that you had Jews everywhere, you know, in Egypt and other places. And that was like, a so they didn't necessarily have the attachment of the temple to their worship practice, at least not all throughout the Jewish experience, right? Right. And then at some point, obviously, the temple was destroyed and then Judaism was still practiced in you know, kind of like local churches, as we would call parishes today, but it was synagogues, right? So mm-hmm. houses and other and other buildings and that kind of thing. So number one, it would be very common for a Jew to not like go to the temple all the time, just in general. Got it. Not like right? we go to mass every Sunday. Absolutely. Now they would have still, of course, had the Sabbath, right? Which mm-hmm. would begin in Friday evening and conclude in Saturday evening. They would have observed that entire period, no matter where they were. They would have had their Seder meal. They would have had all right. those things, readings from scripture, et cetera, et cetera. But they wouldn't have necessarily like gone rolled up into the temple. And in fact, the temple had a bunch of different rules too, like to where people could and couldn't and who could go with and you can read some of that stuff in the Old Testament when the when the original temple was being built, which not original temple, it was like the 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 prefiguration of the temple, right? Mm-hmm, the tent mm-hmm. out in the wilderness and all that other stuff, because there's a bunch of rules with that, right? Only the high priest can enter into the holy of holies, and there's like a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. So that's one thing. And the second thing is that I thought, and this is where I could be totally wrong, that after a woman gave birth, there was a time you know, between her giving birth and the child being presented and her being presented for purification that had to do with like naturally when a woman gives birth, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff going on. Right. And so you need time for no, that. No, there is. That Today we call it postpartum. Right. Yeah. So postpartum like, after birth. After birth. Right. Yeah. So back before, you know, you just went to a clinic, you know, a hospital. Oh my gosh. And you know, what's funny is it's usually about six weeks long. There you go. Right. So that's, I think that's so also speaking part of it. frankly and physically. Right. So there's, you know, after the baby exits the womb, there is a, you know, there's the exiting of all the other, you know, material and things in the womb that need to come out. Which look very similar to a period or, or that thing. Or, or and it that. takes a minute for it to happen. And it usually takes six weeks for it to complete its course. Yeah, there you so. go. So that period of time had to have been passed where a, a person could be ritually clean, fit to actually walk in. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the temple ceremony, concluded that purification. Now, I could be wrong right. about exactly how I described that, but that has a part to do with it as well. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. So the purification of Mary, yeah, is tied to today. The which I, which I didn't, I'd never honestly previously thought about. Yeah, like I, I'd it, never thought about it until like maybe a couple months ago when I started looking it up. Mm. Like, what is what is like? I got curious. Like, I know February second is Candlemas, but when we were um, starting to talk about doing our renewal of vows and what liturgy to have. Right, what scriptures to have in today's liturgy is the presentation of the Lord. That's when it hit me. It's like, oh, but it's also the purification of Mary, not just the presentation of Jesus. And so I personally connected that with, you know, just what the sacrament of marriage has done for me, mm-hmm. just like the healing that it's allowed me, the purification in a sense that that it's that it's allowed me to experience. Um, in my life. So I thought that was really cool. It's been the source of, I mean, the sacrament of matrimony is a tremendously powerful one, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, there are, all the sacraments are powerful, but 
when you think about what it's done in our life, right, the graces that have flown from it, mm-hmm. the way that grace is built on the nature that we had as individuals and then as a couple, all mm-hmm. of these things. And and you look at at, um, at matrimony and go, wow, what a font of grace this has been. Yeah. And it makes sense if for no other reason, if for no other reason that matrimony most closely mimics the relationship of the Trinity itself. Yes. You know, father and son loving one another in the spirit, husband and wife loving one another in the marriage, Mm -hmm. right? And so in in a way, when you're married and living a conscious, aware, uh, sacramental marriage, you are constant, at least I, I think of it this way, like we're constantly in the image and likeness of God in a special way. Yeah. Because the image and likeness of God, you could say, is a marriage. Do you see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like yeah. it is a matrimony. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And so we're like kind of mimicking that in a way. And so that's why to me it's so special because it like gets right to the heart of who God is. Right. In his relationship. Yeah. Well, if you, hmm, I guess the question that comes on my heart is because marriage nowadays, first of all, I don't even think people are getting married anymore. That's a real stat. I just read it literally two days ago. In preparation for my other show. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's dropped the... Actually, you know what? Hang on one second. Let me just grab my... Just keep keep talking. I'm just going to grab the book just from the keep, shelf. Just really keep quick. talking to myself. No, you're talking to me. I'm, only, <laughs> I'm walking four feet away. I don't disappear once Hi, I Des. take the headphones Hi, Des. off. How are you? I don't disappear when I take the headphones off. I'm literally walking four feet away. So just okay, keep talking. Yeah. Okay, I'll I keep talking. I what I was doing. Yeah, no, of course. Of course. What are you getting? <laughs> this book. Oh, okay. That's the source you were... Yeah, and, I, and durable trades. Yeah, and I take it back. It was it, it wasn't on a show, but it was in preparation for an episode I'm having with an uh, with uh, I have an author called Rory Groves who's coming on my show, Living the Call, uh-huh. and he's written a book. Did about, you just plug your? your I kind of did. Well, here? no, no, no. But yeah. look, let me hang on. Let me let's not get off into tributaries just yet. But I just want to <laughs> I, I want to literally address the point that you said about people yes. getting married. People not getting married anymore. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yes, people, people not getting people, married because that's what not. I feel like is happening. Okay, for millennials currently aged 18 to 30, 20% are married today, compared with nearly 60% in 1962. Okay, there go the 60s again. So so put it this way, in two generations, we've gone from 60% to 20%. Yeah. In two generations, not even two generations really, no, that, two, genera- I would two say generations. Two generations, right? Yeah, two generations. And it says, as a group, here's another one. As a group, 60% of millennials, 59%, but whatever. As a group, 59% of millennials have never married compared to 10% of their grandparents. Wow. That's a big stat. And so the question that this author says is, why bother with divorce statistics? Couples aren't getting married in the first place. That, I'm telling you, that's what I that's what I think too. And those numbers just prove it. And so I guess my question is, <clears throat> not even a question, but just my feelings on that are mm. just the attack on marriage. You know, what happened to <clears throat> what people feel marriage is, you know, um, and just the the impact of broken marriages, um, divorce, um, because I think that it's been, um, what is the, whew, you know what I have? I have COVID brain. Yeah. Yeah. Mine went away two days ago. Yeah. But I know what you mean. I have COVID brain where I'm, That's I'm okay. like, I don't, I can't see the words, but they're there. And yep. I'm trying, no, I know I'm exactly what you're talking them, about. But it's like, a really weird thing. When, it's like the movement, the momentum is moving in a particular direction is the word that I'm, that I'm trying to come up with. But it's where we started with, let's go back to the, the 60, um, the 1960s, where it was like in the 19, and I was just talking about this with you the other day where I felt like. My because my both my parents are children of divorce um, and they were children of divorce in a time period in society where divorce isn't as prevalent and accepted as today. Right. Of what I what I even went through as a child. I was about to say 20 years ago. That's funny. It's like, Ooh, it's like, you're, like you're, you're reminding me the 80s wasn't 20 years ago. I love that one. Whoa. Not even close. Whew, all right, 40, finish. I'll say it, 40 years ago. <laughs> all right, finish your thought. Yes, but um, so 
they went through that at a time period where it wasn't as normalized in a sense. So it was even more difficult for them. So they come from their children of divorce and then they themselves divorced even multiple times. So then they created in their own family children of divorce. See? So this kind of generational thing. So I'm not surprised that that equals let's just not even get married anymore. Yeah. As this mm -hmm. thing that keeps us from this bad divorce word you know what i mean so people i think people started thinking like well if i don't get married i won't get divorced because when my parents got divorced it really crushed me I, I think that's a big part of it right there i think that there's a deep 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 wound of divorce that people who come from a divorce background feel despite whether or not they ever vocalize it or not it doesn't matter it is fundamentally traumatic to kids for their parents to not be together kids deserve to be they, they have a right to their, mm -hmm. to their mom and dad. And Amen. when that's violated, that leaves a mark. And then consequently, when they grow up, they're like, well, yeah, I can avoid this pain by right. simply not being, like you equate the pain with having been in the sta the, the, the status of being married. And then if, right. I, if I'm not married, it's like, I'll never be in pain. So it's a very logical, I'll, uh, sorry, it's a very reasonable, albeit illogical conclusion mm -hmm. of somebody mm -hmm. who has trauma. But not everyone has trauma. Not right. everyone comes from a divorce background. And yet a lot of people who are in that category also don't value necessarily matrimony. And to, to my mind, there's probably 10,000 reasons why. But one of them is because we've lost the understanding and definition around the differences between relationships and marriages and matrimony. And now we've gone yeah. full bore you know, in our country by re literally redefining what matrimony actually means. So we've right. added to that confusion because if you don't have just last thought, if uh -huh. you don't if you don't have an understanding of what a marriage is, then the conversation becomes very practical. Yeah. The conversation's like, well, I don't get it then. We're together already. We're living with one another. Like we're splitting up our paychecks. We've got whatever system we have. Maybe we're raising kids. We're getting along. Like, I don't get it. What does matrimony give me? Right. And then you're in that situation where it's just a piece of paper again, which is like the right. opposite of what it is. You get a piece of paper when you go to the courthouse, not necessarily when you have a church wedding. Right. Exactly. So I think like there's two categories. There's the divorce people, the people who were brought up in divorce, which I agree with you 100% is that. And then maybe people who weren't in that camp, but nevertheless have increasingly less reasons to value matrimony because we've changed what it means. That's broadly how I would put it. I don't know if I'm right. Yeah, no. I mean, I would agree with you. What do you think the biggest problem is in marriage nowadays? What do you think the marriage therapist hears the most when couples go to therapy? I would imagine, it's a great question, wow. I would imagine that it's some function related to an increased isolation. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Like um, things related to husband, the husband and wife living their own bubbles, uh, like increasingly like that kind of thing. So things that result from that. Now, I don't know what those things are, but the source of what a therapist might hear would probably relate to things that are like, you know, the man is doing X and he's got his own little world and I've got my own little world and they're increasingly becoming more distant. That's what I would in think. In their own little worlds. That's what I would think. Like of the separation. Yeah. And there could be a thousand things that flow from that. Uh -huh. But I think what a, you asked me what a therapist would do, I think, a, or, or hear, I think a therapist would hear symptoms of an increasing isolation caused by the separation of the husband and wife into each of their own little bubbles. That's what I would think they would hear. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that. No, I think that's true. I think that it's, you know, I think it's the lack of understanding of proper roles. And because roles in our secular society have pretty much been eliminated. Like when you start eliminating boundaries and proper roles, then you create chaos. And that's what I think is happening in marriages. I had this <laughs> I had this one thought where I was going to do this podcast solely on just answering the question does your husband ask you too many questions <laughs> <laughs> That could have been that could be a next episode. Yeah, that could be the next episode, but it's like no because I think that 
that is a hallmark. It's a hallmark. Yeah, it's 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 a huge problem. It's like you really have to. And so I'm going to put this out to all the wives. Like, do you feel like your husband asks you too many questions? I've been that guy before. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. I'm speaking in our in our own experience and, and having learned the hard way of, wait a minute, the, our roles are kind of mixed up right now. We've got to fix this. That's what I think is added to what you said about just the separate worlds that, you know, just slowly start separating more and more and more between husband and wife. But I think that part of that separation is caused by the frustration that a husband and wife feels in their incorrect roles. Now, I'll probably get a lot of flack for, for, for saying this, but, you know, women have what's called feminine genius. Men have what's called masculine genius. And I even, you know, I, I teach this, this, this class on feminine genius for TLI. And some of us have more masculine than genius. <laughs> And and perhaps others the other way around. But yeah. (laughs) And that's true. But no, I'm talking about like if you turn on a show like a sitcom or you you'll see like in the past 20 to 30, maybe 40 years, the male role in a household has been kind of dumbed down. He's like this dumb guy that doesn't know how to do anything without the approval or the permission from his wife. Or he, again, has this kind of series of weird steps he takes to conceal things from his wife. Right. Right. It's right. like, oh, look at all the things I got to bend over backwards and don't make a word like because she'll find out. It's like the whole thing. That's yeah. another another creative conceit that's yeah. used quite And a bit. I think that what that does is that destroys the proper role of a man understanding and a woman understanding their true identity as a male or a female. And so like... For instance, if a man is constantly like, we'll give an example, right? The wife goes to the husband, hey, I need this from the store, right? Will you run out to the store for me? Oh, yeah, sure. No problem. He goes to the store. There's eight different choices to buy of the one thing that she wants, right? Which there usually is. and Right. And she didn't specify which one, right? I think for a lot of men... That's a that's a crisis moment. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, they're looking at those eight different brands and variations. Yeah, and I've here's, been there. Here's the thing. Here's the dilemma. It's do I just grab the one that I think she wants? Yeah, I, to me that's the right answer. Do I call her? And show her the eight different variations and just confirm with her? Clearly no. So she gets exactly what she wants? Clearly not. You text a picture of the entire shelf and have her send you back a keynote presentation with a circle around the one that she wants. Obviously. That's the correct answer. Duh. That in lies the problem that I'm talking about. Men are not free to just make a decision. In marriage, I think nowadays they, there's just so much. And and look, I don't think it's done on purpose. I just think <clears> that <throat> that's just where marriage has gotten to, where the role of the male to just make decisions for the family and kind of the swapping of the wife should be asking questions. It doesn't belittle her. It doesn't take any power away from her. Like I don't have. Trust me, you're the head of the household, but I'm the neck. And the head doesn't turn without the neck. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, it doesn't turn right unless the neck decides it's turning right. Right. <laughs> so it's a partnership. It's a partnership. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you could just say, I'm the head, but my wife's the brain. <laughs> I'm the hard, empty part. And my wife is the one that has all the... the fleshy I- goodness. It has the IQ and the EQ. Um, yeah, look, I think a lot of people would give you flack for, for that. Um but I think that there's a deep truth in it in the sense that we do have, I mean, even think about the dynamic that precedes the question about what of the eight things to get. And the dynamic is, why does the man go out and get the thing? Oh. But we know that's true. We yeah. know that's true. We know that's true. You can't just say it's not true. I'm not saying it's true in every, of course not. Exceptions prove rules. That's the reason you have them. Yeah. But the rule is that, Generally speaking, the dynamic of something needs to be gotten for the house, who goes gets it, especially uh, super supermarket items, yeah, 
is the guy. Look, how do I know this? Because I go, if in the times that I've gone, and I continue to go, Saturday morning, go to any supermarket, it's a gunfight. It's a gunfight. Yeah. It's like the meeting at the OK Corral. Every single customer is a guy wearing a pair of shorts and sandals and a t-shirt, looking like he just got woken up, hair in a mess. Okay, and with if his, he has hair, and with his phone texting pictures of soups and you know, dro- dro- is you know is shoelaces and light bulbs. Okay. <laughs> That, I know this. I've seen it. Don't tell me it's You've not the case. You've experienced it. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the interesting question to me is how come it, what what even is that about? Yeah. What even is that about? Yeah. No, that's true. What I is mean, it? What is it for you? How would you answer that in our marriage? Why Why I, do I go to the store and not you? I think I'll even peel it back even more and just get straight to the root of what the problem was for us. For me in particular, was as someone who comes from. Excuse me. As someone who comes from a childhood of woundedness and trauma, um, especially child sexual trauma, there's what happens is you have a lack of control um, over what's happening to you. So as you get older, if you don't heal from that type of trauma, then you start to seek in any psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist will tell you this. It's like just standard textbook stuff. You start to seek opportunities to control everything that you're in and around, right? Like my nickname, like halfway through our marriage was Jessica Master Planner Echeverry, right? So it's like I I earned that title because was. I was so obsessed with needing to be in control of what our family was to doing. To be fair, next. it was more than a title though. It was more like a superhero designate. It was like an <laughs> you're like an Avenger is what the master Aww. planner. I mean, and my point is you took it to the Thor level. <laughs> I was the Thor level of master planner. I was. I was. But when I finally was given the blessing of the awareness of that behavior, right? Like when I finally realized when God revealed that to me, like look at your behavior towards your husband and your family. Why do you need this much control? Why don't you like, why aren't you okay with your husband making a decision about something? And I really had to, to think, to go like interior and think about, yeah, why, why do I have a hard time with that? And so what I came up with was, Because if I'm not in control of something, I may get hurt. Or if this doesn't happen the way that I imagined it, it's going to cause me pain. And so the truth of it was I'm in control. I'm trying to take control of all the situations I'm involved in in my life because I don't want to suffer. And then I held that up against, but I'm a Christian who's welcomed suffering. And then it no longer made any sense. Yeah, I was going to say it. Runs it was right like, well, wait a, a minute. So yeah. am I truly this Christian who's looking at Jesus on the cross saying, I'm going to get on that cross with you. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing this in order to to prevent anymore what I think is suffering. Right. Right. So I think it's an issue of control. I think that if if people tapped in, you know, if if if, if they got help, you know, therapy, counseling, spiritual direction, all of the above, and really took a look at their decision-making, right? When you ask your husband to go to the store and get that one item you need, does it matter really to you if he comes back with the brand that you use all the time? It did to me. It totally mattered to me. If you would have come back with the same exact ounces and ingredients and right, if and handed it to me, if it wasn't in the jar that I was used to, oh yeah, you you did something wrong. It wasn't good enough. And it didn't just apply to food. It could be like garbage bags. <laughs> it's like well, these don't have the yellow drawstring. Right. Well, it doesn't smell the same smell. Like all of those little tiny behaviors, from what I've learned, are the ways that you know the enemy gets to us right he sticks his little toe in the door he cracks he sees a crack in the door and that's where he comes in and so really staying grounded to who we are as christians right especially as catholic christians you know we we have a crucifix for a reason because it's to remind us that that's what jesus said was going to happen you know we're going to suffer we're we're going to carry our cross we're going to be on our cross daily daily you know and that's how I learned and became aware of what I was doing. But we went through that for years, mm-hmm. for years. And then 
I realized that if I just let all that go and just suffered it, then I started seeing, well, gosh, there's really not much suffering to this after all. <laughs> yeah, here's the here's thing, though, with you, and perhaps this is the case for other people, that your a lot of your transformation milestones have come by way of physical distance from things. Mm, interesting. So from Florida to California, initially, mm-hmm. and then even this these last evolutions that you you've had um, after your time in uh, Ohio. Ohio, yeah, right. For those people who don't know, you were taking care of a relative for months, yeah. And you know, we we were apart, and you had a lot of time to to pray and be on your own and let the spirit speak to you and fast. And so there's been like a it's not just one thing; it's a variety of right. things. But around you being sort of separate. Because like even when you said, and one day I realized, well, it's not that simple. Right. Right. It's through a bunch of different things, including having some some time for yourself to right. kind of focus and listen to God talk to you and That's move true. in your heart. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I guess that just shows how important, you know, having that type of retreat Um yeah, that's a better word. Yeah, having that type of kind of retreat into the the hands of God is how I would describe it, and and it's so important. I don't think people retreat anymore. I don't, I don't think like even in the Bible, it's like you know Jesus went out to the desert and he 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 got on the boat and went here for a break. You know, it's like yeah, he was on retreat. Yeah, he was basically on retreat, and it doesn't have to be this big organized thing. You can literally just go somewhere and be somewhere different for twenty four hours and just be still. You know, it doesn't have to be this big organized thing. But to allow yourself time to just kind of disconnect from everything and connect with your creator. We absolutely don't retreat. I think that's another weird kind of side benefit of COVID. That. In COVID, especially early COVID, mm-hmm. people were forced to retreat, and they retreated in a way into their own home. Yeah, right. But yeah. what? But but the hallmarks of that retreat included some things that would have happened even if they went to some really great monastery or bed and breakfast somewhere. Right, and that is that they were st- stable, right? So they weren't constantly moving. So they were there was stability mm-hmm. in and around their home and their apartment, whatever it was. That was one thing. Second thing is that they were forced to, um, uh, forced, whatever, they, they had no option but to be in community. That's yeah. another aspect of retreat. That's true. A lot of okay. people say during COVID was the most community they've ever had they've in ever their neighborhood. Had. They've ever had yep. in their neighborhood and even in their homes. Yep. How yep. many how many stories have you heard of like your uh, dad or mom's like, wow, I got really spent a lot of time with my kids and yep. it was so interesting the things that I found. It was so good for our relationship. And I'm not saying it was good for everybody. We also know domestic violence spike crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But my point is in those cases where it has been beneficial, that's been one of the reasons why. So you have this aspect of um, stability, community, like hallmarks. So frankly, it's like a religious order has that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And then you had this, um, the third thing, and maybe there's more categories, but the third thing is a break in the ordinary rhythm of things. Yes. Right? A change in that rhythm where it's like, I get up, I take a shower, I get yep. dressed, I get in my car, I do I my commute, I come yep. back. Yep. I do. That entire thing got obliterated. That got jacked. That totally jacked. And so then what happens is, well, when that changes, guess what? You're now in a state of newness, in a state of awareness, in a state of presentness because all the stuff is new. Yep. It's different. <clears throat> so community, stability, and awareness, or maybe, maybe they call somebody else. I would even add time. Just additional time. I think before COVID, when we were doing that, you know, just in our kind of rat race, you know, we'd it just seemed like nobody had time for anything like especially people who you know go back to back at work you know it's like you got this and then you got this and i have a hard stop at this and then oh, yeah. i go from this to this, this to this the hard stop yeah the hard stop so it's like well wait a minute covid happened and now you don't have to do anything so i think have and that's kind of what retreat is as well it's a completely different schedule right that you're not used to but it's also time you have time to stop and think and pray and discern and read and sleep 
one of the greatest things in going into a retreat that um, a lot of the, the the retreat masters tell you is you need to take a nap. Go take a nap. <laughs> you know, and it's usually one of the first things on the on the women's retreats that I go on that like that first day. All I just imagine in that building of dorms, every single woman <laughs> laying in their bed sleeping a good sleep for the first time in a long time it's psalm 46 too right be still and know that That i am am god God. right it's so powerful because you do kind of find him in those moments you know i I mentioned about you having these moments of um retreat as being milestones Mm -hmm. and as we the more we talk about it the more i realize that's probably everyone and then in moments of retreat they have these kind of milestone uh, kind of moments spiritually or personally. Mm-hmm. And that's, and then the case is that for me as well, because what did I do? Like when I worked at one company for six years, seven years, and then I'd start work at another company in between those two things, yeah, I would go on retreat. Yeah. And I didn't even call it that. Sabbatical I, 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 or something like that. Well, I just took, you just took time off. I just took time off. Vacation, then, I think is what we called it. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but, but I did it in a very, you know, solitary kind of way. Yeah. Right. I would usually get on, my, on a motorcycle. Your motorcycle. Yeah. And I would just take off and sometimes I'd go into the desert. Sometimes I went to monasteries. Grow your beard right? out. Grow my beard out. Like it was just this, this detachment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And in those moments, you know, of the, the deepest, you know, experiences that I've had uh, with the Holy Spirit, I shouldn't say the deepest, the ones that have like stuck in my memory as moments. The stickiest. The stickiest have <laughs> happened on those, on those, those in trips. those moments, yeah. in those moments, on those trips. So there's definitely something there. And again, you know, back to the very first thing we talked about with the presentation of the Lord being in a way like baptism in the sense that God didn't need to do it, but he did it to show us something. Yeah. Same thing with Jesus going off into the woods and all that other stuff, like what you were saying. That retreat mentality Mm -hmm. is something that we need to remember, recall, and do. Yes. And we don't. Yeah. We don't enough. We don't, yeah. Nope. I agree. So, on your show, Mm -hmm. you have more than one show. But, how do, are you going to ask me how I end the episode? <laughs> <laughs> I know how you end the episode. <clears throat> yeah. I forgot what it's called because of my COVID brain. But what Wait you, what? Wait what? Mm-hmm. Yes. Honestly, I, I never really liked that You never liked that? It. No. Yeah. You yeah. could use a different name. Yeah, but. probably could. So wait, what? Um, it is. It's Valley Girl. Yeah. It's totally. Valley Girl. It's a Catholic Valley Girl. It's a Catholic. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to do my own version of that. Oh, you know what would be funny? What? I should do wait what, but do it in Latin. That way it could be like- How do you say it in Latin? uh, Wait, I don't, I have to look it up. Um, Look it up. Yeah. But but, I mean, that would be hysterical because then you got the whole valley girl, but you also have a a nod to, to, to an ancient language. Uh, Or maybe Greek. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be manere. Manere? Manere is wait- uh, but do you have and then to quo? Right? Quo. Oh no, quo is where. Uh, what um, is what is what? And what is quid? Quid. So what is it? Which Monotic is also quid. Which is also the 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 slang for uh, a British sterling pound. So if you go to, <laughs> if you go to London, you're like, how much? What is? How much is that? It's five quid. <laughs> but it also quid is is Latin for what? So it's manere quid. Manette quid. Manette quid. Manette quid. <laughs> Are we honestly doing Latin Valley Girl? <laughs> I think it's literally genius. I think it's, I, I'm going to create a brand and there's going to be shoes and there's going to be rosaries and t-shirts and hats. Everything. And I may even do a video series called Manette quid. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I have to say that. Manette quid. Manette quid. <laughs> oh my God, I love you. <laughs> Okay, so I I didn't do any research to do any questions, so I'm just going to put you to the test. Mm-hmm. What's my favorite color? Yellow. Ooh, look at you, all confident, too. If I could go anywhere in the world tomorrow, where would it be? Well, I'm going to say Italy. Okay, Jerusalem. <laughs> uh, no. Eh, wrong answer. Poughkeepsie, Alabama. 
Biloxi, Alabama. Biloxi, <laughs> Mississippi. Say, there's no Poughkeepsie, Wait, hang on. Alabama. Le- Poughkeepsie, New York. Let me let me think about that. Wait, so wh- yeah, because you're just firing off without. All right, even thinking. ask it. Ask it again. Okay. A if sp- I could go anywhere in the world tomorrow, where would I go? But do you mean a specific place yeah. or a country? Yeah. Like 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 location. If I were going to get on a private jet and fly somewhere tomorrow, where would I fly to? Because my initial context was a country to visit, but you might be thinking of a, like an actual like restaurant or church or something. Mm, not, not that specific. Yeah, you can <sighs> keep it to where like. Where would you city. go? Oh, you would go to Portugal. Where in Portugal? Um, you would it's, go. It's fun to say. You, you would go to Cascais. Yes. <laughs> Cascais. Just FYI, everybody listening, that's my favorite place in the whole world. I love Portuguese pronunciation. Yeah, Cascais. Cascais. Even Brazil. Like, it's not Brazil. It's or Brazil. Like you would say it in Spanish. It's Brazil. 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 Yeah, Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. No, Portugal is my favorite country. Mm -hmm. Cascais would be hands down. Where is Italy? Would Italy be number two maybe for you? Listen, I love Italy. Yeah. I, I just love Italy because of my Italian heritage, and I do feel connected to the to the earth when I'm there, in this weird way. But you know, Portugal really made an impression on me. When yeah, I it's went. a special place. Yeah, it's a super special place. The people, the it's so clean. I mean, it and just is amazing. Like I think part of it too, because at that at that stage, you were not as comfortable traveling mm-hmm. and because it's got a bit of a California vibe. So when we yeah, got when we got there, I don't think it felt as foreign to you to use that word. And I mean it in the, the best way. Yeah. Right? Um that could have something to it. Where it was like a softer landing. Yeah. If we went to like, you know, I don't know, like Burkina Faso, it would have right. been like what planet did I just land on? Exactly. You know what I mean? But that well, was Well like, I still felt like I landed on a different planet. Remember when we landed in Paris? Yes, of course I remember. I didn't even want to get off the plane. Yeah, that was fun. I was so scared. That was fun. That's when the the differences in our upbringing had a, <laughs> a moment of stark contrast. It's like, no, we actually need to get off the plane because we're in another country. Do you want to know? But that was the scariest. That was the scariest thing. Like I right. was like, if I get off the plane, something out of my control, right? Like if I do something wrong in this country, they could arrest me and I could spend the rest of my life in jail here. Yeah, it's France. They don't arrest anybody. <laughs> okay, come on, come on. But no, but but that was, yeah, that was very, very, very funny. I, I, and because the thing is, the funniest part for me is how unnatural it is for you. <laughs> You're exactly the person who talks to the total stranger and has yeah. a whole conversation about random stuff. And I'm the guy who's normally going like, when is this like going to be I over? Like when I go into 7-Eleven real quick. Yeah. And uh, I mean, now I've gotten much better about that. But what I'm saying is in that experience, yeah. <laughs> you know, at the, the Charles, Charles de Gaulle airport. <laughs> and I'm like, here's how you say, you know, je, je veux on whatever cafe. I wanted cafe. to order a coffee or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. Du café, s'il vous plaît, or something like that. I You're was like, like literally, say it in French. I was like, du café, s'il vous plaît. It's like literally anyone can say it. You exploded it. my brain when you asked me to do that. And it, you were like, I am not going anywhere near anyone. I'm not speaking to anyone. <laughs> These people are going to put me in handcuffs and blah, blah, and look at the street signs and everything's different. And I don't know what works here. I mean, I was like, what is going is on this with this woman? What is wrong with you? Yeah. 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 It was life you got altering. over it, though. You yeah. Got over it. Pff, yeah. Soon you were insulting people in a variety of languages. <laughs> That's an inside joke. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so. Okay, so those, do you have any questions for me? Wait, that was it? That's the test? <laughs> I told you I didn't prepare. <laughs> what, what's your favorite color and where do you want to go? <laughs> wow, that was easy. And I got, and by the way, I got an F because I only it? got 50%. <laughs> That's true. So give me another one so what's I can at least get my a favorite, D. What's my favorite scripture? <laughs> it's been fun being on. Please have me back again. Thank you. Your favorite scripture. <laughs> oh, St. Anthony, give me a hand here. Yeah. Baby, I got no clue about what your favorite scripture is. What's your favorite scripture? Look, I'm not a scripture scholar, okay? So I can't no, like, I know. tell you, oh, it's Matthew, blah, 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 blah. No, I don't care with the citation. I mean, you have like, there's a thousand scriptures that you like. Yeah. Which one's your favorite? Like, I don't know. Which one's your favorite? Tell me. Well, 
my first favorite that I ever realized was my favorite scripture before I started actually learning more was the very last scripture verse in John. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. If if I were to tell you all the things that Jesus did, no yeah. books in the world could contain all of it. There would never be enough to contain. Yeah. That one was huge for me. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I ever read scripture. In the scri- I felt like the scripture basically spoke to me. Mm. And it helped me to kind of put aside everything that you find will be in scripture. Because that was a big thing. Like the little bit of God that I did know came from Protestants who believe in Sola Scriptura. So for me, it was, oh, wait a minute. That's not true then. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually one of the proof texts. And so simple. Like it's literally the last thing that is written in John. Right. It's like somebody writing, this is the sign of the thing you're looking for. (laughs) Right. It's like, you mean like that? Yeah. Yeah. I have... There is more that I said, but we can't fit it in the book. Yeah, it's impossible. Not even that we can't fit it. It's impossible to, it's humanly impossible to write the amount. I, I quoted the, another one from John that I, that's been on my heart a lot lately, which is there's so there's so much that I, that, um, how's it go? There, there's so much that I'd like to show you, but you cannot bear it now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the milk to meat. Is, right, is it is a good scripture? That's what that one reminds me of. Yeah, and then Paul. my, I, I would say my second scripture that really laid itself into my heart would be from Matthew, which is look at the birds of the air. You know, if God provides for them, you know, these insignificant little things, imagine how much more He basically will provide for you. So that's like a, a scripture of faith. And then, um, just to close up the favorite scripture. My favorite scripture has to do with forgiveness, obviously, because that's the the impact that um, has happened in my life is finding forgiveness for all of the different, you know, stuff that's happened to me and the people who've harmed me. So learning all the scripture that has to do with forgiveness, right, how God forgives us is all tied to how we forgive others. And so just any scripture that has to do with forgiveness. As um, you forgive, you will be forgiven. You will be forgiven. Like mm-hmm. it's he constantly ties. Whenever he talks about forgiveness, he ties it to, you know, our own forgiving others. That's which, right. Which was mind blowing to me because mm. I would do the research and look like, okay, I want to find all the scriptures on forgiveness so that I can share it and talk about this. And every single one that I found. Well, it must be really important because it w- it's in the singular prayer that Jesus taught us, right? Forgive us our trespasses as, as we, we forgive. forgive those who trespassed against us. Yes. Bingo. And also you want to back it up and talk about, you know, forgiveness and its importance. It's also um, a part of the last words of Christ on the cross. You know, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So if it's... <laughs> I would say it's like way up there on things okay, so, that are important. So is that your favorite scripture verse? Is that what you were thinking when you asked me the question? Or you didn't even know the answer when you asked me the question? I didn't even know the answer. Yeah, I, I thought so. <laughs> man, you're, man, that's a tricky you, one. You know me. You know me, though. Uh, it's a, mm-hmm. Okay, so what do you... Oh, this has been a nice conversation. Thank you. It's like we've had like double coffee time. Because we, we did have a little coffee time before we came in. Mini coffee time. But yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. I love doing it. Happy anniversary. I love you. Did you out, want to ask me if I had questions for you? If you feel it in your heart to ask me. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, I already what? forgot what it was in Latin. <laughs> Man- Manetiquid. Manetiquid. <clears throat> Manetiquid. <laughs> Manetiquid. <laughs> so um, what you doing on your anniversary? Ooh, I am getting my hair done and getting my makeup done and putting on my pretty dress and I'm going to the altar. You are? What are you doing there? I'm going to renew my vows. Oh, wow. With you. Did you know we were doing this today? Wish I I could go, (laughs) but I've got plans. Sadly, (laughs) I got to run to the store and get garbage bags. (laughs) Wait, what kind? (laughs) Manete quid. Manete quid. Um, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Yeah, we're gonna renew our our vows. Uh, and in, a, in a private 
Holy Mass. Private, yeah, very, very private. Literally, but it's you, church. me, and our, our past pastor. Yeah, yeah. At the church we were married at, St. Monica's mm-hmm. in Santa Monica. And then we're going to go to dinner. Yay. At the restaurant that we had our reception at 20 years ago. Correct. At the penthouse floor of the Huntley Hotel. In Santa Monica. In Santa Monica. Which is a great little place. Yep. Yep. And then we're going to jump on a motorcycle the next day, right? Yes, we are. We're going to go on a little moto trip. Let's do it. Sounds good. Awesome. For 20 years. Well, the trip won't take that long. Yeah, no. But it'll, <laughs> we can relive all the memories. But uh, <laughs> Yes. Anyway, thank you for inviting me on your show. You're I love you. You're most welcome. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, my love. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe and spread the word. Tell your friends and family on social media to leave us a five-star review. Make sure to check the show notes for helpful links about topics discussed in this episode. Jess's latest book, Dazzled, Finding the Key to Perfect Forgiveness, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Balboa Press, as well as Momaletics.com. That's M-O-M-M-A-L-E-T-I-C-S dot com, where you can also connect with her directly. Thanks for listening. Make sure you join us next time for more heart-to-heart and good feelings in your soul on Divine Wisdom from the Kitchen.